and welcome to the City of the Great King podcast with your host, Tyler Swatsky, that's me. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, it's not good night yet. Episode 20, woo! Cue the party horns, 20! I just, wow, I just threw my pen in celebration, I'm gonna need that pen later. <laughs> Episode 20 of the CGK Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. I am looking to celebrate episode 20. I am looking for five new patrons. Mmm. Five new patrons to celebrate 20. Now, what's the association of five with 20? Well, you see, 20 divided by four is five. And four is what you yell out in golf when your shot goes wide. And in golf, you need to drive a cart. And a cart is something you take to the grocery store with you. And groceries are approximately like five times more expensive than they used to be. And so I need five new patrons. If you follow the logic, it's obvious. I need five new patrons. That's right. It, the cost is, the standard is five bucks a month. That's like a Starbucks coffee. So if you, if you gain from this at all, please consider joining the Patreon. It is, the link should be in the description of the podcast. Thank you for listening. We are on a series called The Kingdom Builder. Episode 19, we talked about how the Kingdom Builder is confessional. And today we're talking about how the Kingdom Builder is communal. Now, I want to tell you a story first from a few days ago. Um, early, last winter, at the end of last winter, it was February or March 2022, I ordered a, a coat off of Amazon, and it, it was a pretty nice, dark, London fog coat. It goes down, it's the type that like goes down to your knees and it buttons up, it, it's one of those long coats. And it comes uh, last winter, and it's, it's a bit too big. It's, it's a really nice coat, and it's unfortunate, but it's a bit too big on me. And at the time, I couldn't immediately deal with trying to do the return. I, I took it out. I tried to convince myself that it was fine, that it wasn't going to bother me. And by that time, we're starting to get to the end of winter anyway. So I forgot to even deal with the returns, or I just convinced myself it was fine and I was going to live with it. Either way, I, I then forget about it for spring and summer. And I pull it out the other day, because now it's cold in the mornings. I pull it out the other day. And I put it on, and I'm like drowning in this thing. And the thought comes back, why the heck did I not return this for a smaller size? And it's not even like it needs to be much smaller, just a little bit. And it's in perfect condition. And so I call Amazon. I'm like, hey, guys, look, your boy got a coat last winter. I didn't say it like that. Um, but I said, I got this coat. I know I'm definitely past the return window, just asking if there's anything we can do. Uh, it's still in perfect condition. I'll send it to you. I'll pay shipping, whatever. If I can just get one size smaller. And I'm talking to the Amazon guy, and he's being so kind, and he's trying to work with me on this, but he, we go on. He's going to check with his manager. He's checking his system, his system to see what he can do for me, because we're past the return window. He's like, sir, I'm just, I'm really trying to help you, but my system's not letting me do the, the exchange or, or sending it back, you might have to contact the manufacturer directly. And I, I'm really sorry about this. It's just, you know, the, the one thing I can do is I can, uh, I can give you a $5 Amazon credit onto your account and you can keep the code. And, and I think I heard him the first time, but it, it caught me off guard. So I'm like, wait, wait, what did you say you could do for me? 
<laughs> this time his voice was uh, a lot less optimistic, and he's like, uh, uh, I was just saying we can, uh, I, I can put $5 credit on your Amazon account, and you can keep the, the coat. <laughs> oh, the poor guy probably knew how silly that sounded. I was just like, man, I'm not sure that $5 is going to make up for a $200 coat just sitting there unused. And he's like, yeah, 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 you're, no, 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 I get it. I get it. <laughs> the reason I tell you this story, and by the way, I called a manufacturer and they were useless, but uh, I'm going to deal with Amazon again. The reason I tell you this story is because Amazon has it as like a proud part of what they do, that they're all about customer service. They are going to go out of their way to help customers and... I've dealt with them before on, on returns and stuff, and they've always been good. And a lot of companies are like this. They know that the success to a company in terms of having long-term success, it's about your people, about treating your people the right way, building it with your people in terms of your employees, your managers, your staff, but also being about the people as in your customers. It's okay to, for instance, if you're in a restaurant, if people are complaining about their fries, just make them a new plate of fries. Your margins are so ridiculously good on fries anyway. Like, you don't want the negative review. You don't want the complaint. You want their experience to be uh, one that they... Everything was excellent for them. So you just make the new plate of fries. I worked in a couple of restaurants. I know, I know how this goes. And it's about being about your people. That's where your success is going... Your long-term success is going to come from. And so... That story with Amazon just reminded me that they need to be about their people, and I was their person in that moment, and they haven't really helped me yet. So, you know, what am I going to do? But the, our, my purpose for today is to talk about the fact that in terms of the Kingdom Builder, which is a series we're on, the Kingdom Builder builds in community. We are designed for living in community. We are designed to live in community. And we do this in multiple ways and in different arenas in life. And I'm going to pull you over to 1 Corinthians 12. I have quoted at least one of the verses before on this show, but I'm going to read a relatively substantial uh, section. This is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. Many of you will know it. It says this, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And 
on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. That's the word of God right there. So he's clearly giving an image of the body and Christians uh, acting as a certain part of the body and we all need each other. This is a community-based thing. So the various aspects that we are supposed to be communal as kingdom builders, number one, we're going to get this right away, is in the church, right from our text. Uh, being part of the church, that is how we're living out community. In the church, we are uh, like a body unto ourselves. Each church is basically a body, and everybody, your leadership, your music teams, your children's helpers, your volunteers, your greeters, everybody is filling a certain role. And those correspond to different parts of the body. And we all need each other to make church happen. You don't go to a one-man church. Uh, that would be a pretty funny thing to watch, though. But you, you don't go to a one-man church. Actually, Scripture says two or three have to be gathered. So in its very definition, church is a community thing. And this is very important as humans, as people made in the image of God, that we be attached to a faith community. And I don't mean faith community in the ecumenical sense, where it's okay to be part of other religious bodies. Christian bodies, churches, is what we belong into. We are designed to thrive in a church environment and commanded to go. Every single Christian is commanded to be in the church. Um... There's that funny meme I saw of these, what are they, gazelles that are that clearly have some type of African uh, plains background. And one gazelle is separated from the pack and there's a lion chasing it. And the meme goes, um, the, the Christian who says that he doesn't need the church is the gazelle that's like cut off and running from the lion. And then the lion must be the world. I, I got a good chuckle out of that one. But that's basically, that meme reveals some truth. All Christians are supposed to be part of the body together. And if you are the type, oh, I'm spiritual, but I don't go to church. I'm a Christian, but I don't like organized religion. Or I don't believe in the church. They've hurt people in the past. Things like, if that's your mindset and you're cutting yourself off from the church, let, let's, let's level with one another. You're cutting yourself off from Christ. Okay? And I would have to go into a couple of proof texts to show you this, but the command of scripture is that we are people of the church. And if you are not part of one, you are cutting yourself off from Christ himself, from his body. And that is a scary thing to be cut off from his, his, uh, his body. So we go to church. And not only do we go week by week, do not forsake the assembling of together. Not only do we go, but then we serve in our church. I mentioned before that each of the different people who are making the church happen, these are all servants in the church who are performing their role. And you have a role to fill. I have heard so many young people, I've heard it online, I've heard it in person, from uh, males, females, all kinds of people who seem to think that they have absolutely nothing to give. 
They, they don't have any talents, they have no abilities, or at least they don't know what they are. Uh, they, what good are they? They, they, they? What are they supposed to serve in? They have no skills, they have no talents, is what they think. And yet we read this pretty amazing verse here, that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. According to the inspired word of God, Scripture, even you, if you are a Christian and think that you don't have anything to offer and you're less than others, not as talented, don't have as good of a voice, you're not as happy or extroverted, oh, I'm going to come back to that term later, um, you, you don't have all these gifts like other people, according to God himself, the, you are indispensable to the church. Now, that's meant to be understood in a particular way. It, it means that God has a role for you to fill, not that the church relies on you individually, and if you're not there, oh my, Christ's church is doomed to fail. Nothing like that. But there is a need for what the Lord has given you in the church. I know a couple guys who are, um, they have disabilities, cognitive impairments, and they come to this group that I'm part of. Every week, faithfully, they come. And particularly the more disabled of the two, he comes and he just has the biggest smile on his face and he is so jovial and personable to be around. This man, he, he's not running a 40-yard dash or anything like that. He, he's not beating you in some type of intellectual competition, nothing of the sort. He's not going up there singing a song, but just his presence there brings joy to people around him. He has a simple joy about him that makes everybody else smile. Like, everybody has a role to fill. That man is being used by God, even in his uh, disabled state, to be a blessing upon others. You have a role to fill in the church. So, don't... Go to church for sure. But then we are all supposed to be serving in our churches as well. Find a way to plug in and serve. Uh, it can even be as simple as doing a private prayer ministry. Uh, this is what a lot of shut-ins end up having to do. They're too sick or they can't get out of bed. They have health challenges. And all they really can do is call people, send messages, pray for them. And that is indispensable, according to the Word of God. So don't think yourself less able to be used by the Lord just because... You don't know yet what your talents are. Sometimes you don't know until you put them to the use, until you just start volunteering and doing stuff. Then you find, oh, I actually kind of like this, or I'm good at this. Or you can find out, yeah, that was not the one for me. <laughs> but it's worth doing. Serve your church. So kingdom builders are communal in terms of church. We're also communal in terms of fellowship with friends. Now, every one of us should be able to think of a couple close friends that we have. And I think most of us, we don't have a lot of close friends. We have a lot of acquaintances, but only a couple close friends, or maybe even just one. This is common. We like to be a little bit guarded in who we allow in and who we share our deeper personal stuff with. We all do it to a degree. Uh, yet it seems to me that the most trusted and warm people I've met are those who are relatively open. Now, it's not that they're not giving everything out, um, but they're, another word for it is vulnerable. I'm not crazy about that word, but they're just open with others. They, they will give you an honest answer when asked about their life, what they're struggling with, things like that. 
this gains you um, credibility with people. Not only that, but it increases your bond with others that you're personally letting them into your life, or even if you let them into your home. That's a very powerful thing. It's been said before that you don't really know somebody until you've been in their home. And, I mean, there's some merit to that. I tweeted even yesterday, two days ago, something like that. Uh, I was thinking about this idea of our home and the fact that we were supposed to be about our people. And I, I'm paraphrasing my own tweet, but it was something along the lines of, what good is a home if there's no love in it? What good is your table if there's no fellowship around it? Right, and I think I said something else. But the point was, be about your people. Don't, don't be about your possessions. Like, what good is your wealth if you don't have someone to spend it with? There it is. Um, the point being that we are supposed to be invested in fellowship, not in possessions. Possessions are a tool. That's all they are. Now, you can use that tool in a very bad way, or you can use it in a way that promotes fellowship. For instance, I know a very, uh, there's a couple, getting older, they're very dear to me, who they are invested in fellowship. They have a couple young guys in their home every week for, for dinner. Um, and then once a month, they have a larger group of young people, maybe 8 to 12, men and women, come over once a month and they open up their home, they provide all the food, the, the drinks, the, the everything. We talk talk Bible, whatever. They, they host people in their home, not only every week, but every month as well. And, and they serve their church, volunteering, and involved in small groups. And these are people who are getting, who are getting older now. They've put in the decades of service and they're still doing it. There is a reward for building into fellowship. And I think we can fool ourselves by thinking that if we just keep giving of ourselves like this, we, we're always opening our home, we're always serving others, we're always giving of ourselves, that we're going to be too depleted and we're going to be drained and we're, we're going we're gonna to burn out from serving others. And yet that has not been my, my experience whatsoever. I find the people who give the most seem to have an endless capacity to give. And that makes a whole lot of sense because the Bible teaches that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You might think that you're running a deficit, like a net loss, if you're giving all this energy, time, attention, your home, your food, your finances to others in serving them, that you're going to run a deficit from that. And yet it keeps coming back positive. You have joy in your heart. You feel full in what you've done. You feel blessed. You know that you are... You're making a difference in young people's lives that could affect the rest of their lives. Like you're making generational differences in your fellowship with others. The point is be invested in a group of friends. And I'm not going to buy or stand for any excuse, oh, I'm too introverted. I don't do that. Let me get back to that, that phrase later. Invest in a group of friends. And how this looks might change based on your stage of life. Not, it, not that it might. It will. It does change based on your stage of life. When you're a poor, starving student, yeah, you can't host uh, like an older couple who's, who's able to do it, who has more time and, and resources to do that. And yet, no matter your stage of life, there are way, you, you can be invested in the people around you. Um, every single one of us is supposed to be in community with others. The Bible is very clear about that. Our own lived experience is clear about that. You're most lonely when you're not uh, investing in others. I mean, that should be so obvious. And yet, that could be a very profound thing for you. 
you are most lonely when you're not actively investing in others. You know that. I think a lot of us fall into this trap where we want other people to be the ones who make all the plans, who reach out first, send the first text, and, and all of this type of stuff. And as though other people owe us, and they don't. We just want to feel special. We're so individualistic. And and then you'll find that you are most in fellowship when you're the one who just... Who cares who sends the first text? If you want to, want to be around people who challenge you, who uplift you, and you can pour into them, just send the invite. Or make the plans. Make the arrangements. Be invested in a group of friends. And we run into this issue. Some of you will have heard me talk about this before, but... This idea that we define ourselves based off of humanistic psychological terms like introvert and extrovert. Uh, this is a bit of a, a pet peeve of mine, but if we think about the way that we use these terms introvert, like I can't be around more people right now, I need to regain my energy by myself. Or, I've been to too many social things. I, I just need to be at home and, and watch Netflix and eat my ice cream. I'm an introvert, you see. I can't be out anymore. Or, it can go the other way, too, although usually the problem is with the introvert one. But, I am an extrovert. I, I can't be five seconds by myself. I can't handle two seconds of silence. I need to constantly talk, fill every moment of silence with something dumb to say. Always be out, out in this and that. I think that can happen, too, but that's not as, as common. We stop ourselves from investing in others because we define ourselves by these psychological terms, I'm an introvert. And then that becomes an excuse that we think is valid to not go and be in fellowship with others. Like, you were part of your small group this week, you attended church on Sunday, you went to one friend outing, oh, I can't go visit grandma, I'm an introvert, I, I need to recharge my, my energy sources, I just, I need to be alone and, and in my bed, I can't go see grandma. Man, that bothers me. Because you're, you're defining yourself off of a category that's not biblical. I'm not saying that some people don't appreciate being alone more than others. And some people don't appreciate being around others a little bit more. There can be some truth to that. But you're a Christian. You're designed for community. No, wait, let me rephrase. You're a human. You're designed for community. You're a Christian. You're commanded to do it. None of this uh, psychological excuses where you're going to define yourself based off of a test and now you're not going to be involved with others. I don't like this, that, we, that we've just so allowed this type of thinking, humanist thinking, to come in. The point being, be invested in fellowship with a group of friends. So we've seen how you're, we're supposed to be communal in terms of church, in terms of fellowship, and then in terms of family is the third one. And this one is is very obvious, but... In our own family, we are we're playing out this mini body image as well. The father and husband plays a certain role, the mother and wife plays a role, the sons and the daughters play a role, and we all have a certain design and function in the family. So the father's going to have to live out his role in, as part of this mini community, leading his family sacrificially, providing for them, working hard, the mother's going to play her role, being nurturing in her environment and taking care of the home. And the children are going to play their role in terms of bringing joy and, and being obedient to their parents. And as they get older, serving them and providing for them and all of that. But our families are many communities. And what, we, what some people fall into the trap of doing is they will invest in everything else except their family. 
where you can be super involved in your church or super involved with friends and you don't leave much for your family. And it can go the other way around too. You are with the kids most of the day and then it comes time where, you know, maybe you could get out, but uh, I'm introverted or I need to go to sleep. And I know I have two kids. I know what it's like to be tired from children. And yet we are all designed for each other. We are designed for community. We ought to get creative sometimes, especially in the young years with children. You got to be creative in getting out and having that fellowship, having that community. But even in your family, you need to be communally minded. And one way that we can do this, and I think this primarily falls on, on the husband and the father to, to have the vision to do this, which is to take his family out. And I don't mean out for dinner per se, but any chance you get to go for a walk with your family, do it. You get a chance to go visit grandma, like I said before, do it. We need each other. And we can make excuses, oh, but she just, grandma just gossips. Grandma, oh, it's just, oh, I don't know, I don't want to be there. Suck it up, pull up your big boy pants, and go visit family. We have a responsibility to family. Now, it's, you can have healthy boundaries there, but again, we are going to, we are designed for community. Go take your family out. Don't make them hermits in their own home. Church, fellowship, family, and then number four is locally. Kingdom Builder is communal because they're involved in their local community. And there's a lot of different ways you can be involved in your local community. And you don't have to do all of them. I'm not even necessarily telling you to do one specific thing from this. But the point is, I live in Windsor. I'm going to be generally aware of what's going on in Windsor. So if I'm supposed to be part of a community and love my community, I live in the city of Windsor, I should be generally aware of what's going on with the people around me. And I am. It doesn't mean I have to read the Windsor Star every day. But I'd like to generally keep in mind uh, what type of missions organizations there are here, which ones are serving the poor, if there's any service projects going on, if there's fundraisers going on, if there's faithful activist campaigns. Just a couple weeks ago, I was uh, involved in a, uh, a flyer, um, what do you call those, like a flyer campaign. Knocked on a couple thousand, or no, 1,100 homes with a flyer regarding Canada's changing of the law with medical assistance and dying, euthanasia. But the, th the thing that people know, don't seem to know anything about is the expansion of euthanasia to allow mental health as a reason for legal suicide. I mean, what do we do? Do we prevent suicide or do we encourage it? Do we, do we prevent murder or do we just allow people to murder? It really comes down to the law of God. This is not a neutral issue. But anyway, I was involved in that, and that is just a local, faithful activist campaign. I'm not saying go be involved in every single activist campaign. You know, most of them I would not touch with a 10-foot pole. But if you can find a faithful one, I think of the, the ones who are standing up against abortion for the cause of life. That's a, very, that's a very noble thing to be involved in, to be part of your community. It, it, this promotes community and communal living. Then there's events at the park, there's days where you can go to museums for free and whatever. All of this is just getting you involved in your community. And if we want Christian communities, we have to be involved in our communities. I know, that was probably profound. So, we got to be about our people. And I've given the four different spheres where we can do that in our church, 
in fellowship, in our family, and locally. And, and your job, by the way, can be thrown under, under locally uh, for those who work. But be about your people. God's mission is about people. It's about community. God's not coming to go have nice uh, projects like building a wall for, for people or building a well. That, those are cool things to do, service projects like that. But he's not coming for bricks and stone and mortar. He's coming for people's hearts. He's coming for souls. God's mission is one of transferring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. From the city of death to the city of life. To the city of the great king, you might say. God's mission is about people. And this is another way of saying, in a nice way, it's not all about you. Think one of the things that affects a lot of North American Christians is we think very individualistically. You, it even comes down to like what church we're going to attend. It has to suit all of my sensitivities and sensibilities. The people we hang out with have to 100% suit what I'm looking for, and they have to come on my terms, and I'm only going to hang out if I'm ready for it. We are so individualistic, and that's not good. We are building communities of people. And think about what the spread of God's kingdom is. It's measured by an increase of people. Because we're building a city. It's the city of the great king, not a one-man farm of the great king. It's not the porta potty of the great king where only one person can go in. We're building a city here. And cities are full of people. You've been to Toronto lately? Or you've been to Mexico City, LA, New York? They're sprawling. It's like you can't go anywhere without your shoulders touching everything, everybody. Now, I don't know if it's exactly going to be like that. God, the city of the great king is, is going to be huge. And it's going to be full of people. Because God's come. God comes for people like you and me. He doesn't, it's not about just individuals. He's coming for a whole covenant community. That's what we're building. It's not all about you. Be about others. Be about your people. Now, our society, I'm going to take a couple minutes to talk about this. Our society is designed to make you isolated and alone while putting up a facade of community. Right? How is it that we live in an age of global internet, essentially global internet, smartphones, data, LTE connections at all times. We can text each other. Don't even need a walkie-talkie anymore. Those things are cool. I saw one the other day. I almost got jealous and missed the days of walkie-talkies. But we have more ways to connect than ever in human history, more people we have access to than ever in human history. We can go more places, go further, get there quicker, and yet we are so alone. I think it was the UK who actually appointed a director of loneliness. Maybe director wasn't the word, but they have some type of minister of loneliness or something like that. Because they realized that, it, uh, and they were calling it a loneliness epidemic in the UK. And it's not just the UK. We are so, so lonely. And yet we have all the tools of connection. This is what our society is designed. It's designed to make us isolated and alone, but it puts up the facade of community. I think even of old Drake lyrics from a hip hop song I used to listen to way back when goes, um, we live in a generation of not being in love and not being together, but we sure make it feel like we're together. 
And I thought about that line before. I think it was... That line struck me when I was younger. Because, yeah, we, we make it feel like we're together through these different ways that we use our phones and texting, but we're not with each other, right? We, we get uh, things just to order rather than going out to get them now. Instead of building loving, romantic relationships, we get hookups and, and hookers. Like, we, we're so fake. We're so disconnected. And not only that, but as we have become a less Christian society in terms of the numbers of people who are involved in, or, in organized religion, people are all the more lonely. If you think about it, being away from God is the quintessential reason why we are lonely. Okay? Think about it. Where do we get community from in the very first place? It comes from God himself. Because God himself lives in a community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There has never been a time in all of existence when there has not been community. Because God has it in himself. And then he creates everything else. There's a reason that we're designed to be connected with one another. Because God himself is. When you're alone, it's because you're being away from God. All, a godless society is going to be a more lonely society. That's one of the ways you know that a culture is turning its back on God, is people are more lonely. This is how it goes. You turn away from God, you become lonely, because community and love is found in God. It's not found in the world or in anything else. Does that make sense? The moment that we stop being about others is when we are not really being about God, in a way, if you're following the logic here. And so, as you are retreating from others, retreating from church, retreating from fellowship, retreating from being responsible with your family, retreating from your local community, just being back up, back up, back up, when that's you, you are putting yourself in a position where sin and bad habits creep back in. Do you find that you struggle the most with sin when you are alone? Oh, I do. And I know I'm not alone. Particularly, you're stressed. Oh, you had a, somebody annoyed you. And you're at home and you're thinking about it and you want to reward yourself. And so those sinful habits, those temptations come. Somebody let you down. Now you got to reward yourself. Be about you, man. See, we want to reward ourselves with a sinful habit when we stop being about others, when we think about ourselves and our own wants and our own needs first. Bad habits and sin creep in when we stop being about others. But when God's kingdom comes, it comes in community. Think about that. When God's community does come, we are calling people into a body. That's why I read those verses earlier. We're not calling people into an isolated island in the Bahamas. No, we're calling them into a family, a fellowship of believers who meet every week, twice, three times, four times, however many times you guys meet and how many groups you're part of. We meet all the time. And what are we saving them from? When they come into God's kingdom, what are we saving them from? Of course, we're saving them from hell. And hell is a place of ultimate loneliness. The most lonely people on earth are those who are headed for hell and those who are in it. Then they have no hope of getting out. But the most lonely people on earth now, if you think about it, those are the ones who are probably probably need to be calling out to the Lord. There are times when we are supposed to be 
uh, quote-unquote, alone, but you're not really alone. You think of Jesus' example. When he would depart from his disciples, go off to a desolate place, and what would he do? He would pray. He would connect with the Father. So I think this, going back to what I said about introverts, if you have this need to always be alone by yourself to recharge or whatever, I'm telling you, it's not to recharge, it's to connect with God. You are being called out of your local area, your community, whatever engagement you're in, and you should look at that as, I need to connect with the Lord. Because even Jesus himself went off to the mountain to pray and then came back and was about the people again, was about his mission. And that's the challenge for you. It is okay to separate and have, uh, I, even, I was going to say time to yourself, but that's not at all what it is. It's not time to yourself. It's time to be with the Lord. And then you go back to your mission. And your mission is to those who are lonely. The ones who are lonely are those who don't know God. And I know Christians can feel lonely too. But the challenge there is to press into the Lord. That he will be our sustaining grace and mercy. He will be our faithful friend and companion at all times. Isn't the Holy Spirit our comforter? Even if you're a Christian, you can feel lonely. But you have, you have someone you can go to. The unbeliever doesn't. They just have their sin, and that's the most lonely place you can be. Now, being a Christian is the best community-building, friendship-making opportunity in the world. If you think even about the fact that we get together with a group of people every single week, some t a lot of us multiple times, when do the pagans do that? Like, do they, do they have a... a day each week where like the pagan society where they get together they get to sing together hug each other have meals with one another hear messages they don't do that unbelievers don't have the type of community that christians have and that's by design being a christian this is the best way to make friends to have community there's no better way than the way that the lord has set it up Think of this one uh, verse in scripture, I'm paraphrasing because it's just coming from memory, but it says something along the lines that the righteous never lack bread, or they never want for food, something like that. They never lack bread. And the point isn't that a Christian can't ever struggle to make ends meet or miss a meal once in a while. The point is they are connected to the life source. The righteous are always connected to the life source, which is the Lord. And secondly, we have a global community of Christians who look out for one another. You have family all over the world if you're in the Lord. We never lack bread. We look out for each other. When we're not so individualistic. When we think about others. When we remember that kingdom building is inherently communal. It's about community. And so be about your people. Be about community. I want to thank you for listening. Remember, I'm looking for five new patrons for, to celebrate episode 20 in my math about the shopping cart and all that. So please consider uh, supporting the work that's being done here. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Go in the nations. Bye-bye.